With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Sex trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Six in his side. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The injury bug has struck the Cavs once again as they find themselves on a losing streak and somehow playing once again without a point guard on the active roster. But the Cavs aren't the only ones being hit with injuries right now. The Chase Down Pod is suffering as well as Carter Rodriguez is out with flu-like symptoms. I'm hoping he gets his voice back tuned. Hang in there, buddy. We're, we're all rooting for you. Everyone wants you to come back. But you know what? It's going to be okay because today we have a very special guest making his return to the Chase Down Podcast. It's Spencer Davies of BasketballNews.com. Spencer, it is great having you back, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's a beautiful day outside, like 80 degrees in Cleveland. And we just had the NFL draft, had all sorts of good things going on in the city. So good vibes around here, man. Good vibes dude, around here. Dude, the, the city looked beautiful. Like I, I, I was getting a little bit of FOMO. I, I was also just looking at the crowds and just seeing how far ahead you guys are uh, compared to us is bumming me out right now because... Uh, we just hit lockdown in Winnipeg once again. Uh, we are going on a four-week lockdown, and I'm feeling it, man. Like, this is this is quite the time. I, normally, I don't have the cast in, in the beginning of May as that seasonal depression really hits. And I still don't really have the cast to cheer me up, but at least there's things to talk about with them. And I'm really happy to have you back in the mix to, to help me break that down. But before we get into the Cavs, I do want to talk. So obviously, basketballnews.com, I'm thrilled for you, man. You have been killing it all season. Uh, you have made the transition from kind of working on that Cavs beat to a more national beat, but also provide a lot of really good Cavs coverage. How has that transition been for you this season? Uh, it's been really tough, uh, especially when you look at just the logistics of everything that you can't really get, you know, person to person contact and, and that one-on-one interview vibe with people. Like Mm. I've done plenty of those one-on-one interviews this year. And I I think that that's a credit to a a lot of the people that have helped set that stuff up for us. Um, but it's still really weird that you don't have that same, personal connection that you do when you're obviously in person right like so (laughs) so it's a little different but it's also kind of been good because you've had to adapt you've had like it's like forcing you to adapt in a way Mm -hmm. um and and i think that our team as a whole has been crushing it this year um and you mentioned just the website i I think the the growth of everything the the exposure that we've, we've been getting uh, and just the, the quality of content and work that our team does is just so awesome. And I'm very happy to be a part of this team. And, and like you said, last time I was on this pod, I didn't have this. So <laughs> it's uh, for me personally, it's very rewarding uh, to know that those years and years of work that, that I put in ended up kind of paying off. Yeah, absolutely. And for all our listeners, if you're not checking out basketballnews.com, you should be. Um, Especially in today's media landscape, I I find so often a lot of the conversation gets away from the game itself. And especially in a season where it's been really tough to get a read on what's going on. But there has been interesting storylines along the way, whether it be um, great stories like the Phoenix Suns. Even uh, we were talking before the podcast started um, for those that don't know, we're, we're recording on Sunday afternoon and we just watched Nets Bucks. 
And even the the transformation that Giannis has made this season, uh, just the the versatility he's added to the game and kind of the wrinkles in their approach compared to last season, it's something that isn't really talked about a whole lot. And it's nice that you do have outlets like basketballnews.com that are providing kind of that nuanced breakdown and and analysis that I, I think really the coverage overall is starving for something like that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And, and I think again, our team does a great job and it's the versatility of our team that I think does a really good job because we have guys like Rex Chapman and, and Kenyon Martin, Etan Thomas, like former players. And then we also have Troy Brown jr. That's a part of the staff. He actually did a, a vlog and he wrote about what it was like to get traded. Like <laughs> you, you can't get that kind of perspective pretty much anywhere else. Um, and, and then you have someone who's on the rise and it, just a star in Nikias Duncan who does these amazing film breakdowns. And it's funny that you brought up the Giannis not getting talked about this year. He actually made a case for why he was leading in the MVP race uh, about a month and a half ago. And it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, just the, the way that the league is covered these days, everything's star driven, everything's about who's teaming up with who, what's happening next instead of what's looking at, you know, what's happening now. And, and we try to kind of take that route of this is player friendly. This is, all the positives that we can can cover and that we can can bring to the to the spotlight that's what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and uh, again i think that the, the the access that we've had has been very superb especially for a year like this one um and, and again it's been very rewarding uh just to see it grow because we've only been around since late august and uh you know the following's going up and the 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 the, the love and the you can just feel the support and it's mm-hmm. really cool you mentioned how not having kind of that, those in-person opportunities to to build relationships, to tell stories. Obviously, that is an expected hurdle going into this pandemic year. But has there been something that through that has kind of emerged for you as an unexpected positive surprise from this season? Or maybe uh, something that you've had to adapt and because of that adaptation, you feel like the coverage is stronger as a result of it? It's a good question. You know, I, I think that it's more convenient uh, because you can go pretty much hop into any Zoom that you're invited to. So I can go to a Zoom for a random game tonight, like Houston and New York. I could go into that pregame, you know, scrum and still be a part of that and still cover that as if I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's kind of just works both ways. Um, it, again, it it does suck because you don't get that like feel that the personal connection, like I said earlier. Uh, but the the benefit is the versatility of coverage you can have the amount of of games you can cover and the amount of of players you can cover uh because it's so available Mm -hmm. uh and and that's something that you usually have to wait for an all-star game or the nba combine or the nba summer league uh but this season particularly you've been able to really cover the entire league uh without without any issue honestly yeah i and i mean it's it's one of those things that I've really enjoyed because I think it's given opportunities to, to people that maybe traditionally wouldn't have had that. Uh, so there's a lot of positives there. And I, I got to say, even though you've now gone on the nas- national beat, I'm really happy that we're still getting some Cavs coverage out of you, especially not just when things go bad. Uh, you, you've been providing good uh, coverage throughout the year. And one of the stories I want to talk to before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the Cavs is... This potential report. So Anderson Verjao may be 
joining the Cavs in the near future. Now, Chris Fedor had mentioned that uh, the Cavs uh, reportedly will be seeking a hardship accept, uh, exception there uh, to Adam so that he can retire as a Cavalier. Um, uh, another kind of a report in there is that Matthew Delvadova might be done for the season. So once again, the Cavs, assuming Garland comes back at some point in the near future, will be either without a uh, back a point guard or continue to be without a point guard, which is unfortunate. What was your reaction when you saw the, the potential of Anderson Verichau uh, joining the team? I didn't know what to make of it, Justin. <laughs> I saw that pop up on my phone. I'm like, huh? So let's dig into this one because I haven't heard that name in quite a long time. Right. Uh, but what I was told before, uh, you know, the news came out that that Chris reported about the the hardship exception was. Uh, that that uh, you know then the news might have been a little bit of ahead ahead of itself uh, it seems that obviously way. <laughs> there was uh, you know a lot of maneuvering and tinkering uh, you need to do to make that possible mm-hmm. but the hardship exception you could see that that coming through especially if if Delhi is done for the year um, and depending on the severity of this garland injury this this ankle injury that he just sustained uh, then you could see it happening and um, you know it, it would be cool it would be cool just to see Andy, uh, you know, back in the wine and gold colors and, uh, you know, potentially end his career, uh, where, where it began. So, mm-hmm. uh, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool just from, from a fan perspective and from a Clevelander perspective. Uh, but the, the news itself, I, I think we still have to, to wait and see what they do in order to make it possible. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And actually one of the benefits I think, uh, of our partnership with the Cavs is now I'm I'm more measured. Like I'm I'm waiting for <laughs> reported things to actually happen because so frequently, um, because of the reliability of someone like Shams or other newsbreakers, you just assume that the transaction has occurred when they report it. But these things do take time, and, and as you said, a few days have already passed, and, and he's not on the roster. But I have a bit of an Anderson Verja theory for you, your Spencer. And I, all right, I, fire. <laughs> all right, so. The last time the Cavs did something to honor a beloved big man for the Cavs franchise was when they retired Ilgauskas's number prior to the 2014 NBA draft. That was an NBA draft where the Cavs had a 1.7% chance at the top pick. Looking right now, Cavs are, are pretty squarely out of the play-in mix and will likely have between a 10 and 14% chance of picking first overall, considerably greater. But do you think that this is a karma play? Honor the big man and history will repeat itself. <laughs> hey, you know, why not give it a try, right? <laughs> it's just, it's, it, if that worked last time. You know uh, but that yeah. that's that's an interesting theory okay so you bring back andy maybe there's a little bit of that luck with the with the wild thing hair and and, and all the the fanhood uh, mm-hmm. that comes with it so maybe maybe we'll see yeah are, are you someone that believes in karma because i i 100 believe in karma and like one of my big things uh down the stretch which has now materialized was you know what don't pull garland sex in love all these guys uh down the stretch like let let them compete for the play-in spot the losses were likely going to come organically which they did i, I think we saw that the guys that were coming back from injury weren't as healthy as maybe we would have anticipated or uh that the curve to get back up to speed was a little steeper uh than we expected um but 
I, I just wanted that good karma of, you know what, going forward, making every game count, which they still can do, right? Like, there, there still is productive things that can be done even though they're out of that playing stretch. But I, I'm someone that believes in those good vibes. Are, are you someone that believes in that? Or uh, are you just a little more in the, the reality-based <laughs> realm of society? How about somewhere in the middle? Okay. Is that, is that, is that fair? Just I'll accept that. I, and, and you make a really good point about just the, the health of the team and it just seems like they can never catch a break. Anytime a player is hitting an individual stride, anytime the, the, the team is hitting a collective stride, it seems something goes awry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just, sometimes it just comes down to some of these like freak accidents. It, you, like you, you just can't avoid them, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but like you mentioned, I mean, even in that stretch uh, where they were talking about, you know, getting to the play in game and stuff like that, you had Colin Sexton miss, you know, four or five games with a concussion. You had, what's with all the concussions by the way yeah. there was that game against the wizards the first one uh where four players it was uh lamar stevens it was isaiah hardenstein colin sexton and larry nance jr all got hurt from that game mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a really good game too that they played um it, so it just seems like a bit of misfortune and it sounds like an excuse but it's really it's really just again the reality of the situation is you just watch it play out it's a lot easier to to look at this team and say, oh, they've been unsuccessful the whole year. They, there are stretches where they look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're obviously pieces away and whatnot, but they have something growing there. They have a good core with these 22-year-olds, 21-year-olds. You know, it's it's got potential. You just have to see it through. And I think I read somewhere that those like core players didn't play like they haven't even played like a hundred minutes together yet. Oh, like it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You went basically three quarters of the season with those guys playing like a total of two minutes together. It, it, it's, it's absurd. And, and now once again, as you try to like maybe build some uh, momentum, which like Carter and I talked about on our last podcast together of, Hey, you know what the Phoenix Suns did in the bubble where, you know, they, they gained some chemistry, they gained some momentum. Maybe you have an opportunity to do that. And again, that gets robbed of you as Darius Garland goes down with an ankle injury and leaving the Cavs without a, a point guard, which in itself is another opportunity, right? Now now you have Jetty Osman, who's kind of stepped up in kind of that point forward role. Uh, Colin Sexton's going to be asked to do more passing, which uh, unfortunately has become once again a topic, as The Athletic uh, reported today. It, it, I actually it was more of a Kevin Love story. Uh, than anything else. But in there included a tidbit, uh, Joe Varden um, saying that, uh, I I guess, reportedly some players have have vocalized a frustration at times uh, with Colin Sexton still not giving up the ball as much as they would like. What was your reaction as you were reading uh, that reporting uh, by The Athletic? I'm not a fan of interior dissension at this time of year. This is Mm -hmm. a time of year where you should be building towards something. You shouldn't be airing your frustrations if anything save that for the offseason like it's you've got seven eight games left of the year there's no reason to enter the summer with these negative vibes Mm -hmm. uh, especially for the strides that colin has made and darius has made like i think it's just pulling pulling apart instead of sticking together in this type of, of of year and this this kind of chemistry you're trying to build and the culture that you're trying to build it's just it's not conducive to it so like you need to you need to kind of find a way to express your frustrations privately honestly i i don't like the public i don't like the publicity of that um and 
maybe maybe it gets better as soon as you win. We, we mentioned that earlier uh, when we were talking about winnings solves everything, right? Um, but the, the two kind of go hand in hand. If you're not healthy, um, if you don't have experience together, though the wins are going to be hard to come by because the NBA, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. you have a lot of talented teams. And that's just the reality of the situation. And as we know, uh, you know, not much size at that forward position that the Cavs definitely are going to need to address coming up in this draft with the offseason, however they're going to do it. Uh, but I think individually you can look at strides that guys have made and, and, and commenting on the negative in, instead of talking about the, the potential and, and the growth that those guys have had uh, in their individual games, I think would be a lot more productive than to publicly air your frustration. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of, once again, kind of reflection of modern media right now, because that was a paragraph within a story on a totally different topic. But then once it gets aggregated, it's okay. Now there's an entire article dedicated to this, which, again, it's frustrating. You certainly don't want that stuff to, to come out publicly because there like there is merit to it. Like there is definitely examples that you can point to in each game where Saxon can do a better job getting teammates involved. Um, I, I think that you can also acknowledge, hey, there hasn't always been consistent options, opportunities to develop chemistry, the, the type of things that really promote ball movement. And, and Sexton has been a efficient scorer that has also increased his assist totals. But within that, when you're going through a losing streak, as you air your grievances, like the little things that your teammates do that bother you become amplified. It, it becomes a, a little more frustrating. Um, and this could have been a situation where you're listing things that everyone's got to work on, frustrations that you've had, and that one gets picked out and makes it into the report, right? Like there is a very long list that I could make about every single player on the roster. But I, I, I do think that it is interesting because you can acknowledge the growth that Sexton has made. Like I I actually would argue right now that he's probably doing a better job of kicking out to three point shooters than Darius Garland is Garland. You, you know, he, he likes to probe on the inside, create those opportunities close to the basket and sometimes misses those guys on the exterior. Uh, while, while Sexton is looking for those driving kick opportunities because he now understands as I blow by my first man, which I'm capable of doing on a very consistent basis, if that help comes, I have to know where the open guy is, right? Um, but especially with Garland out of the lineup now, I I do think that there's an opportunity to continue to work on Sexton's playmaking skills because at, at this point, it's the, the plan is no longer a realistic goal. And maybe developing some of that skill set and giving him game film to study uh, where he either makes or doesn't make the correct read could be a productive way to use these final games. It could. It could. And the the thing with Colin, and you, you bring up a really good point about the spray outs, because, I mean, when, you, when, you've, when you're drawing two, that means somebody's going to be open. And he's even gotten better at the lobs, too, if you look. So it's not yeah. just the spray outs. He's gotten better at lobs. Uh, just the, the ones over to, to uh, Jared Allen earlier in the season, the ones to, to JaVale. Um, so, so that area of his game has, has grown. Um, and, and that's even tougher to defend too. If you look at it, cause you don't know whether he's going to pull up do the floater or do the, the lob. Like, so you have all those options and the same goes for Darius too. Cause when, when Darius is doing his herky jerky stuff, which is a little bit different pace that, that Colin plays with um, it, it's the same kind of deal where, where guys are, are kind of picking their poison. Mm-hmm. So again, those two developed like so much uh, in the past few months 
Um, but Colin, it's partic- particularly with me, is, is his off-ball game that has been really good, uh, just moving without the ball, uh, willingness to shoot the threes. Um, and the thing, too, that, that really kind of bothers me, the, the way that, that Colin is, is covered um, or is, is talked about, I should say, um, is that, you know, it, there's a selfishness or something. Uh, for me, you have to score. <laughs> you have to score. And this is one of, this isn't a very good offensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is when it clicks and you have the, the full roster, uh, but someone's got to score. <laughs> I mean, it, and, and yes, the efficiency matters, but when you're down someone like Darius Garland, who's giving you 16, 17 a night, uh, more like that 20 a night uh, since post all-star break, uh, then you, you have to have somebody who takes on that number one role. And if, if, you know, teammates aren't, aren't taking shots or if they're uh, turning them down when they get them the looks, then what, what else can you do? Right. Like it, so the opportunity to, to hone in on his playmaking skills uh, this last stretch, I, I would agree with that. Um, I also wouldn't count on it long-term in that manner because he's more of a secondary playmaker and somebody who kind of, uh, you know, puts pressure on the defense and then, uh, you know, like you said, find guys on the outside. Mm-hmm. Darius is going to be more of that maestro type. And, and you mentioned Jetty too. How about a random 11 assists against Miami? <laughs> that, that was, it, it is he, very he came ironic. back out again. He is an <laughs> it, interesting player. I, I, he is very interesting. It, it's kind of ironic that this came out right after Sexton had a 25 and eight game, right? That, and then that he had, they, what was it? He had like 10 the other day too, as well before. Right. That. Right. And, and it's funny because it, I think, and shout out to our, our buddy and friend of the podcast, Jason Maples. But he basically said, stop microwaving these players. Like, they're not finished products at 22. And I, I think, like, even from a way that we analyze and discuss this story, yeah, th- there might be grievances within the locker room. That doesn't mean the teammates have necessarily given up on Saxon or that somebody has to go. And, like, that's always the conclusion that people will jump to. But, like... The the frustration airing out where teammates need to go uh, need to be better. That's part of a healthy culture. You just don't want that going external, right? Like that's when all of a sudden it's okay. This is no longer a positive that these critiques are being discussed because it's now being litigated through the media, which you never want to be the case. But like even looking at raw assist numbers like i i think it, and this is something that i pointed out before where i wanted sexton to get up to four where which he's now done this season which i i think is a an accomplishment that's worth celebrating because guards like jamal murray donovan mitchell devin booker they're all kind of around that four assists but you also you you can't go off of just the raw numbers in, in situations like this because mitchell as an example which i think is a player that he should strive to be like when Mike Conley's on the floor, he has a 21% uh, assist rate. When Mike Conley is off the floor, that goes up to 30.2, which is kind of almost at that like Garland-like levels. Whereas right now, Sexton, it's 18 when Garland's on and 24 when Garland's off. Now, Mitchell didn't come into the league being this kind of a passer. It's something that he's worked on as well. But I, I think even playing off ball for Sexton, he needs to understand how to use his athleticism to create opportunities for other guys in situations other than driving kick. Because as you mentioned, right now, yeah, there isn't a lot of other options to provide reliable, efficient scoring. 
But in the future, they're going to be adding another lottery pick, another top 10 pick. Isaac Okoro is going to become more comfortable and be able to contribute more offensively. Darius Garland, we see, is making big strides offensively. That's why the off-ball growth that you noted with Sexton is important. And he's got to continue to find ways to maximize other players and be part of the collective. Not saying that he's a selfish player or anything like that. That is just realistic goals and next steps, in my opinion, when you're talking about his development. Yeah, and it should be. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the off-ball stuff. Uh, something that I find interesting is is sometimes that, you know, if you're on the cut and if you're you're that much of a threat, you have other, you know, defenses trying to, to stay pinned and attached to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of in itself creates a little bit more space for people on the other side of the floor. So maybe he gets to that level. I mean, he's, he's been consistently, a you know, 37, 38%, uh, three point shooter. Yeah. So he's not going to be, you know, that catch and shoot guy all the time, but, uh, if he brings that, that level to his game and continues to be consistent in that area, uh, I, I think that, that he could make noise in that, in that way as well, just kind of dragging defenders with him as he's cutting and, and staying in perpetual motion. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's, that's uh, maybe the next step for him. But uh, again, I, I just think the, the overall growth, uh, knowing when to pull up for the mid ranger and, and recognizing when the defender's dropping or if he's coming up on them, uh, blowing by guys, the lobs, the spray outs. I, I think that it's all there and you're just going to put it all together one year. And if it's not showing through the numbers that he has this year, cause the numbers are very good, then <laughs> yeah. it's going to show at some point or another, or it's going to, you know, it's going to hit people. Mm -hmm. Well, see, the nice thing with it is, you know, he's working on it, right? Like we've seen consistent growth in the playmaking department from him. It's almost like the three-point shooting for the Cavs. As they get healthy, all of a sudden that three-point attempt rate goes up. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Just sometimes they revert to old habits. It's the same thing with Sexton, right? Like you see the attempt to add that playmaking you've seen him work on those driving kicks you see him as you've identified uh figuring out when those lob opportunities are there and when to feed guys on the inside sometimes it it results in turnovers but when it comes to garland and sexton i'm fine with turnovers at this point because i would rather them get turnovers attempting to do the right things than playing safe basketball to maintain a good assist to turnover ratio like at at this point advanced stats be damn like go out there and try to sharpen your skill set and to figure out what those limits are and then when you figure out those limits you have to decide okay is this a decision making thing is this something that i can improve and make part of my game uh through physical transformation like this is all stuff that's really instructive especially as you go into an offseason so i think when a story like this comes out you can take it at face value and go okay doom and gloom once again like there, there's some friction in the locker room like everything has to be fine on a team that's losing and missing the playoffs when playoffs were the goal that's going to happen right and the the flip side might be to go to defensive where it's oh well who else can score there, there's no one to pass to blah 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 I, I think ultimately either side, taking either side, isn't productive. Understanding and acknowledging the opportunity for Sexton to continue to improve and just go with the correct opinion. Like, you don't have to go to one extreme to bring people over to your side because I, I think we've all been online long enough to know that that's never going to happen. Just, you know what? Be better. Be, be better than it, right? Like, And, and, just- and I'll just, like, say, too, like, I think the reason that 
it, it also kind of kind of hurts is just that Collins just kind of been a punching bag ever since he entered the league. Mm. So when things like this come out and it's just consistently, consistently talking about how he doesn't want to pass or he was a selfish player, it, it just it's I feel like it's unfair and he has not gotten covered the same way as if you know some of the young other younger players make mistakes and i yeah. I, I truly feel that way um and i, I think it's just kind of unfair um the way that that he is portrayed because kid works his ass off he really does mm-hmm. um and he's he's probably i would take him over anybody in that draft class as far as work ethic goes as far as wanting to be great wanting to do the right thing uh and he's still learning like you said he's 22 years old the core four of this team is all still on rookie 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 scale contracts. I mean, the, and, and if the expectation inside of that locker room is, is is higher, that's good from that perspective. But when you look at the outside and and how much how little time th- that these guys have spent together, then it's a different kind of feel. And 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 knowing that that group needs to to gel still, it's not going to happen in the season, folks. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. And I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from when it comes to the coverage of Sexton. Like, he was somebody that, like, even I had to overcome, like, this is the return for Kyrie, right? Like, in his rookie season, and he was such a raw player. I didn't like the pick at the time, but he, he's someone that, that's won me over with his work. I think I'm now, I, I think most people would call me a Sexton believer at this point <laughs> as I wear my uh, Sexland shirt. Um, like, I, I just... I'm really encouraged by his consistent growth. And the nice thing is that when these situations have come up in the past, it's been channeled into, all right, I'm just going to keep getting better. I'm going to win people over. Uh, my, my work ethic's going to do it. But at some point, like you, you just hope that it changes. Right. That, and, that... and, and to be particularly clear too, like that doesn't mean he's beyond reproach. He has no. these situations where he goes into double teams and gets blocked at the rim. Like those things you have to eliminate. You have to eliminate, you know, silly turnovers and, and, you know, those things, obviously you have to, to be critical and be fair. Um, so he's not like beyond reports by any means, but I just think that the, the positives have definitely outweighed the negatives uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to Sexton's growth. Um, and, and the same goes for, for, for Darius Garland. He does the same thing too. He tries to split triple teams in some <laughs> situations and, and they're still learning, you know, their reads and when they get doubled and when defenses throw different looks at them, because now, they're kind of the, the target on the board. Mm-hmm. Teams know those guys now. They they're, don't make any you know thing about it. Like that is real. Yeah. So so adjusting to that and adjusting to the different coverages and and double teams and schemes and all that stuff. That's another area of growth that probably still won't come for another two years or three. Yeah. And it's, it's not an indictment of them that they're nope. still a learning curve that they still have to get better. I mean, look at some of the other examples. Like I, I think as well, when you're a team like the Cavs, where you're not in the playoffs right now, there's not a lot of reason for people nationally to tune in. A lot of the like early narratives that form for a player stick there. Like yep. even, even Steph Curry would be an example of got the rep as a bad defender and then became a good positional defender and contributed positively on that end but he got stuck with that rep uh Kyrie Irving as an example like 
selfish player, doesn't play defense. We, we saw him step up defensively uh, for the Cavs in the playoffs. He was a better passer than Sexton was and still got that never passes reputation. Ultimately, what it comes down to is winning solves everything. Like, it's a really boring answer, but you can try to de- establish as good of a culture as you want. You can do all the right things. You can have the vets in place. But if a team's losing... Cracks are going to show. Grievances are going to be aired. Uh, obviously, we don't want that to occur publicly, but you you got to go out there and like earn it. Like th- this team has to be better before you can expect the coverage to reflect the nuances in your game. Like you're you're not incentivized to say, "Hey, w- when when you're in a losing streak and, and you're let's say it's a veteran player." I'm not making any accusations of who it was. Like it, it's, the, the report said multiple people, but let's say. As an example, because uh, early in his career, the, the veterans complained that he didn't make reads. If you're a veteran player and, yeah, Sexton's maybe improved by 25%. He's going from three assists to four. You don't acknowledge those nuances when he misses you <laughs> when you're open on the three-point line, right? Like, it's just frustration. So I, I think being fair and acknowledging the improvements he's made uh, is probably the best way to go about it. Because at the end of the day, this isn't something that's worth pulling your hair out over. Um, but moving on and, and actually circling back to, to what we were talking about earlier with Jetty, he looks way more comfortable when, when he's starting um, he, and when he's got the ball in his hands. The, the point Jetty experience has actually worked recently. Like we, we've seen multiple examples of him playing better. I, I want you to weigh in on what you think is the biggest contributing factor here. Do, do you think it's just, hey, I have a set amount of minutes, so I'm not going to press as much? Is it the fact that he has his ball, the ball in his hands a little more frequently? Or do you think it's the time away that he had to kind of gain composure and get back to the basics? I think just all three of those, man. Because <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I, I was just stunned at how how bad he shot the ball and and played as a result just mm-hmm. those last couple months like it was just unlike seeing anything we've ever seen maybe it was an exhaustion you know maybe it was the the lack of a, a consistent role whatever it may be it always seems like he always it gets gets put in these positions where he doesn't want to play the four and stuff like that like there's so many different ways they've tried to use him and sometimes it's by necessity mm. uh but with the, the ball in his hands, when he is that playmaker, I always thought he would be the perfect playmaker off the bench for the Cavs in like a 20 something minute role. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's back to playing over 30 minutes a game now. Uh, so he's, he's come in and he's done a really nice job, especially over the last five games. I know the results have been all the losses, but uh, if you're looking for positives, yes, just the way that he he's very, he's very heady uh, just with those, those bounce passes um, and, and, Attacking the rim too, I think, uh, is another area where where he's improved. And he wasn't finishing too in those 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 uh, times where he was missing all those threes. Yeah, uh, he was also you know missing point blankers uh, during that time too. So it <laughs> sometimes just, over three people. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was just kind of inexplicable, man. I I honestly don't know how to answer the the, the question. Um, but it, it appears that he's found it before. We know he's not as bad as what he showed in that stretch. Everybody slumps, but yeah. but. Uh, that, that you know, was one hell of a slump, though. Like that, that's it was. why like, it was. I, I do have to wonder if the transition from going to, hey, you're the starter, you're getting 32 minutes a night, this is your consistent role, 
kind of helped him play team basketball but similar to Sexton how he has to understand that at some point there's going to be more talent on the roster and you need to redistribute your energy in different ways the same thing is being asked to Jetty Osmond because I think you mentioned his ideal role as being that playmaking wing off the bench and you look at it in theory having Jetty being a playmaking wing Larry uh, being a good passer at the power forward position Hardenstein being a good passer at the center position like you would think that those lineups have potential alongside Colin Sexton and seeing them do well together and play make for themselves and others is a great sign because if as long as Jetty's on the team that's ideally a pairing that you can capitalize on that you can make the most of those opportunities and um, maybe that's something that that chemistry can move forward to next season if Jetty's back um, like th- there's a, a lot of opportunity there and I I do hope that now that he's kind of settled down and he's had a couple of good games under his belt, that he can make the adjustment to doing the same things in fewer minutes. Because that that's what it's going to really come down to. Because whether it's with the Cavs or, or somewhere else in the league, he, that's his role. Like, he is not a starter. He's not going to be getting starting minutes in almost any situation. Like, you got to make this adjustment if you want to continue being a contributing role player in the league. Right, right. And consistency is the key, man, with, with, yeah. with, with him. And he's such a rhythm player. I remember asking him that earlier in the season. I'm like, what gets you into the flow of a game? And he's, he like looked at it. He's like, you know, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just kind of play with the flow, you know, mm-hmm. like, and if, if Vibes. someone isn't, <laughs> I know, right. Like there's no really other way to, to answer it. Just, especially just the, the way he plays. Um, he, he, he can just tell when Jetty's going to have a good game. There's just uh, an energy about him. Uh, you know, if he sees the ball go through the net, the first couple possessions, then, you know, you're probably going to get a good game out of him. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, you see a corner shot and, and he, he bricks a couple, probably not going to get good jetty. Uh, so it, it, it may be just a, a confidence thing. Um, you know, maybe also Torian Prince and Dylan Windler being a part of that wing rotation. Sometimes Damian Dotson play in the three. Uh, at points maybe that kind of you know was a little funky for him too who knows uh, but it, it'd be good for him mentally just to finish the season strong and and he started to do that I mean the ch- ever-changing rotation has been funky from an analysis standpoint like on a night-to-night basis this is the most difficult season I've ever had to to read like you've talked about how there's been like maybe six seven seasons within this season where you you go on these losing streaks you go on winning streaks like it is just been really unbalanced and I described it earlier today as like the ultimate Rorschach test season because you can look at hey these young players are excelling they're showing growth they have chemistry together and you can also look at well the the win total isn't great The, the offense for the year isn't great yes they've had great stretches yes they've had good months uh offensively but the end result isn't good how difficult has it been for you trying to analyze this season and do you have any kind of larger takeaways like is there something that surprised you with the Cavs this season positively or negatively that that you can take away from the total result well before I get to that the, the evaluating a season like this especially just with this team and knowing they have 27 different starting lineups oh my goodness uh 27 yes I have it right here no no it's uh, a, sorry to cut you off but no it's the most ridiculous part of that that? It's not 27 different starting lineups because they're trying to find a combination that works. Like, the starters are established. It's Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Love, and Allen. 
And yep. yet you, you just have so much damn turnover. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I no, just had no, to. No, it's, it's unbelievable, that. isn't it? And, and and that's what also, and you don't expect, you know, national coverage to, to know that stuff. But like when you look at the Cavs and you see their record and you just kind of assume things like they're just, they haven't been healthy all year. And when they were, they were still doing okay. Um, they, 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 I guess the, the, the thing that, that the negative takeaway I have is, uh, the, the lack of a, a uh, consistent rotation, but again, by necessity, it's kind of like that because you can't help people coming in and out. Right. I think their most successful stretch of the season was right before the all-star break and, and, and out and coming out of it where they were four and one. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean Wade was in the starting lineup with with Garland, Okoro, and Allen and Sexton. Like, uh, you know, once they have like a a team that plays, I, we'll we'll set the bar really low. We'll set the bar really low, Justin. Ten games in a row, mm-hmm. ten games in a row, the same starting lineup, the same bench rotation, what have you. Then that then let's see, right? None of their starting lineups have played over seven games. How, like, how do you evaluate that team? Tell me, like you can, you can do individual stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we mentioned Garland's growth, Sexton's growth, Okoro playing the most minutes out of any rookie in the league, even though the, the offensive, you know, side of it hasn't been great. It's been a little better lately, but uh, you know, those are the things you can take away. You can't take a collective, a collective sample size from this because it's just impossible when you don't have those guys out there together. Yeah. And, and it sounds simple and it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah. It's the, it's the God's honest truth. I mean, we, we had Kevin O'Connor on, on the podcast and he said the same thing that even for the good teams, like there's nothing you can really take away from these regular season results. And um, like, it, it, it's funny because what we like to do on this podcast is lay out the entire situation. Like when we were talking about the Kevin Love uh, mishap there, um, we outlined every factor that goes into it. We will give our opinion as well, but we, we like to give a balanced view because then people can make their own decisions from there. I, I try to do the same thing with this season because you can look at the difference between playing at home and playing on the road. Well, those road struggles that are really a big deal for the Cavs and have caused those road games to be so much worse, that's also true of other teams, maybe to, to a lesser extent, but that could contribute to the home success. Like there, there's so many different things and so many different ways to read into every single situation that like, I'm just trying to find a, a balanced view. Like I'm always going to be optimistic in my read moving forward, but I, I at least try to be objective analyzing the situation. And so many times this season, I just find myself saying, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to make of it. Like it's, it, it's just a very, very, very difficult season. And you they know can't like, get a rhythm. They can't get a rhythm. And that that's going to really just put you in the basement. That's just yeah. what it does. Uh, you want to talk about positives? How about finding guys like Lamar Stevens? You know, mm-hmm. um, a, a guy like Dean Wade, who I think poured in 18 points last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are the, those little gems. Uh, Even finding Hardenstein. Like, exactly. Exactly. Trade market, I, I think, was that, that's a great move you yeah two second round picks and got him like that that's that's a big deal it is it is so you, you know little little positives like that uh sexton and garland we already talked about that we talked about okoro's defense jared allen uh just being smarter than every other center that that he plays against yeah <laughs> like, you know like 
those are those are the things. Those are the things that I think you could take away. Um, there is no giant generalization or conclusion you can have. That and that's that's where I'm at. You know what the conclusion you can take from this season is? The teams that have stayed the healthiest are the best. Yeah. Look at look at Utah. Look at Phoenix. That I think they have the least amount of starting lineups this year. Like, yeah, it, it's and, just how it is. It's, and it's what and it most is. like Utah just added that recently because now Mike Conley and Mitchell are missing a little bit of time, right? Like, it's. I, I think that that's a, a correct read that the, the teams that have had the most time together are going to be the most successful. And when you're the Cavs and you have this much turnover and you're also fielding one of the youngest teams in the league, inconsistency is like, that's, that's the only way that this is going to play out. And it was annoying when we said that at the start of the year, when they were playing well, that, Hey, this is probably going to go on some rough stretches at some point. Uh, you don't have to worry about trading guys away because they're going to win too many games because it's probably going to happen organically. And I think even with that qualifier, I think this team is better than its record. Like that, I, I think so too. Looking at all the factors, this team is better than its record. And like, at the end of the day, like that works to their benefit. If that's true, and if my read on this is correct, that's a very good thing because they're likely going to be picking higher than they would if Kevin Love played as many games as he did last year. If they, they had chemistry, if they had continuity, like if they were healthier, if Larry didn't miss as much time, they probably would be picking later in the draft. And you look at these last couple of weeks, they don't play a team that's not in the play-ins, like in the playoffs or in the play-in. Like it is... The I, I think it's uh, among the three toughest remaining schedule. They're only playing good teams. They're going to be shorthanded for those games. Frustration is going to bubble up. There, there's probably going to be a, another piece or two that's negative. But at the same time, you're about a month and a half away from the draft lottery. The, the news cycle is going to change. People are going to forget this stretch. It's not going to be fun to close out. But you just look at individual performances and see if there's any growth to be had there right like if guys can figure something out in these games that might be quote-unquote lost depending on who you're talking to and as simple as it sounds to another takeaway that i can have from the season is the young guys got a lot of experience in in high stakes moments mm -hmm. uh, and i think that will, will bode well for them moving forward as well uh quite a few quite a few of these games you know two, three possession games that they've been in uh, down the stretch. Sometimes they've not executed and turned the ball over and, and, and miscommunicated uh, others, you know, like the, the, the game against Charlotte and the game against, you know, uh, Chicago, you know, those, those games, they ended up stepping up in the big moment, right? Yep. Um, it's going to happen less. <laughs> it's going to happen fewer times than, than what you, uh, you know, see from the established stars and the established players that have, had years and years and years uh, of experience in this league, but uh, at least they're in those situations. And I don't think they were in that many close games last year. No, no. And, and it's kind of funny because the first half of the year, or I think before the all-star break, they hadn't lost one of those close games. Like when, when it got into the clutch, when it got into overtime, they won every single one of those opportunities. And ironically, as Darius Garland became better as a player, taking on more responsibility, he's had moments where he hasn't done the right thing in those situations where he's turned the ball over. But again, that, that speaks to what I was talking about before, whereas maybe he wouldn't have tried to do something in those situations in the past. They went to an established guy like a Larry Nance or an Andre Drummond or uh, a different veteran option in those moments. And yeah, you, you got the positive result, but now Garland more confident trying to step up in those situations 
pass or fail, that's great experience. And I, I think that that's a really smart point uh, for you to bring up there, Spencer. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Anyways, I really enjoyed having you on here, man. This is this has been nice to to talk it through, uh, to talk about what's hey, what going is this? On. Is this your therapy session, Justin? A little bit, you know. Like I, again, lockdown, not really talking to a whole lot of people. <laughs> I got you, brother. It, it hasn't been a lot of fun. Obviously, online has not been very fun because anytime there's angst and these situations come up, um, people don't have the best time online and reactions can become a little extreme. So having you on to provide the perspective has been really, really great. Uh, do you have anything that you've been working on lately that you'd like to plug, let the audience know about? Oh man, everything on basketballnews.com, just, just me and my teammates doing an excellent job. Uh, like I mentioned earlier that we've got, you know, former pros, current pros, amazing writers. Um, our, our podcast network is, is doing great. We just, we just had Stephen Curry on a couple weeks ago. Uh, with Rex Chapman and that's exclusive to us. Uh, so that was an cool. <laughs> amazing, amazing get uh, for Rex and, and a hell of a job that he, that he did there. Um, you know, Alex is doing a, a great job of, you know, getting these interviews and, and exclusives by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm trying my damnedest to doing the same stuff. <laughs> so uh, that our, our podcast network, uh, if you want to follow my podcast, it's keeping it at 94 uh, with Brian Fritz and that's on our, our, our uh, website little podcast tab there to the left. Uh, click on that and you'll see ours and nine other great podcasts for you to listen to. So you can that... also find it wherever you got this podcast. Wherever you're listening right now, you can find Keeping in 94 as well. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, homepage uh, always looks looks beautiful. We have, a, we have an app. If you want to download our app, uh, it's called basketballnews.com. Uh, and uh, we, we've got push notifications, all that good stuff. Uh, and we're just continuing to grow, man. That, that's really the, the, the best way I can and put it. And uh, we're just getting started. Well, love to hear, man. I, I just love seeing good people find success. And uh, you, you have always been one of the harder workers that I've known in this industry. And you deserve these breaks. So I'm, I'm really, really happy for you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For listeners as well. This this selfish jerk didn't plug his own uh, Twitter handle. Spin Davies. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. Go support Basketball News. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support. If you're listening on YouTube right now, like and subscribe. It's the best way to help us show up in the algorithms. If you're listening via podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can do so by sending a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.